following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 150, interviews from AirVenture 2017, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Hey everybody, this is Carl Valeri and I'm joined with Russ Wozleski and this is the interviews from AirVenture 2017. Russ, welcome to the podcast. You had a, oh gosh, sounds like you had a wonderful time there at AirVenture. Well, how could I not have a great time? It was at Oshkosh, right? So uh, <laughs> Airplanes. Exactly right. So I, I did have a great time and there was, there, as always, I mean, you could probably play back this the same episode every year. You know, there were, there was so much to see and, and do, and you just can't get it all done in, in however many days you're there. It seems like there's never quite enough time. But I, I was able to go around and get seven interviews uh, with some pretty pretty interesting companies and, and individuals and such. I think that we're going to listen to here in a bit. But but just the the crowds were were great. The number of airplanes, the, the weather was perfect. I mean. The days I was there, it was upper 70s, I think, uh, sunny and light breeze. It was just a great time, Carl. Awesome. And I, I really wish I was there. I, I told people I'd be there, but something came up uh, really important with work. And then something came up also with my living situation. I was kind of homeless there for a while. And uh, just we moved in totally at a, like a, a month later than we had thought. So uh, and, and finally just getting furniture now as we as we speak tomorrow, they're delivering the furniture. So this will be really, really interesting. <laughs> so I'll finally have a place to actually sleep, etc. The cool thing is I'm living near an airport. I didn't get to hang out at the airport, but it's fun to hear airplane noise every day i get to watch airplanes take off and land and i'm excited about that you got to see airplanes take off and land all night all day at air venture and it was cool to meet up you actually met up with uh what was it larry and and tom and then a couple other li- listeners as a matter of fact dave abbey I, I should put that in the show notes you and dave abbey mm-hmm. uh, larry tom and there was someone else in that picture and that person's going to shoot me if i uh, uh, Dave Pasco was in that picture. Dave Pasco, uh, well, okay, and I think, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so and we'll have to Jennifer. Have... Oh, that's right. Jennifer yeah. was in. The... That's right. Cool. And hopefully Jennifer is listening right now, saying, "Carl, we didn't remember me." So I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put that in the notes there. Jennifer was in there. I really wish I'd never actually met her in person, and I, I kind of wanted to. She's, she's so inspirational to me because she's so excited about aviation, just like everybody else at AirVenture. That's for sure. Um, but uh, you know, give us before we start talking about the the interviews. Uh, and you've been to AirVenture before. Is there anything new, anything exciting about this year's AirVenture? Anything new or exciting? Like, yeah, I mean, like it's to you. In other words, anything that's changed from the years you've seen wow. in the past. Anything that uh, you've noticed that's different, or is there just too much to mention? Yeah, well, there's there's obviously a, a lot, and we had a lot of focus on certainly on the ADSB type products there. Uh, that and we have some of those interviews coming up. 
they had the Blue Angels, uh, which, which was was pretty neat. Uh, they had the the Thunderbirds, what a couple years ago. I'm losing kind of track of time here, but you know those those acts had never been able to come to Air Venture because of the the safety type requirements, and so now they've done whatever they've done and, and changed things up. And so now we, they had the Blue Angels this year was pretty neat. Uh, one thing that I was fascinated by uh, that I'd read about in the in the magazines and all, but never actually seen in person was the, the, um, the jet powered Waco biplane. <laughs> so, oh, cool. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, what a bizarre thing. I just happened to be, you know, this is so Oshkosh, right? I just happened to be standing out there and looking at some product or something in this, I hear this propeller sound go by and all of a sudden it turns into a jet noise as it passes me. And what is that? And so I look up and it's, it's the jet powered Waco. I mean, just an amazing thing. Um, uh, so there, there's always so much to see and do, and uh, I didn't even get a chance to come close to doing everything I wanted, of course. I love how you said that, though. This is just so Oshkosh. You know, here I was sitting there, and then there was this airplane noise, and I looked up, and I saw this amazing thing. Like, everything is just yeah. a serendipitous journey throughout the show. That is so <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, and that that's something that I think you can't see too many places in the world. It's uh, it's just one of those events where it's constant, constantly, uh, except for Sun and Fun. That is another one, but a very small version of it, of course, compared to, to Oshkosh. And, uh, we can't but another it great with, event, and I is, love going there, is. too. Yeah, and Actually, there's a, an event in Oklahoma, too, coming up, I think. And, that's right. Uh, what date is that again? And that's in ALPA. You, yeah, can you that, that's one that? of the ALPA fly-ins, and it's going to be September 8th and 9th. Uh, the 8th is a Friday. They have some like all-day type uh, seminars and workshops on Friday, and then uh, on the 9th is Saturday, and they've, you know, that's where they have like, kind of the open displays and that kind of thing. So that's coming to Norman, Oklahoma, which is just down the road from Oklahoma City. So I will definitely be there uh, on Saturday at least and um, and looking for a good time there. Cool. Awesome. So they should try to find you when they're there and, and say hi. But uh, speaking of finding people, you found quite a few people at AirVenture and were able to talk to them. We're going to play those, and, and that's what we're going to do for this episode. It's about 45 minutes of actual interviews that, that you did a great job. I mean, you could tell you were excited, they were excited to be there, and they uh, just various different things. So before we listen to them, can you just give us a, a, just a quick summary of who we're going to speak to in, in, the, in the interviews here? Sure. Um, I, I got to talk to Michelle from Level Aviation. Uh, they make some uh, ADSB products, uh, mostly for the experimental and LSA type markets, but they're trying to get them approved for uh, certified aircraft too. Uh, I talked to Linda Evans of the Air Race Classic. If you haven't heard about that, it's the annual all-women cross-country air race. Sounds like a lot of fun. I uh, you know, I, I wish I could participate, but I don't meet their their main Minimum requirement. Minimum requirement, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I talked to Tom Turner of the American Bonanza Society. They have a that's the you know the Bonanza and Baron Type Club, and they have a bunch of uh, training programs and maintenance training and that kind of thing for Bonanzas and Barons. I talked to Stephen Newman from Foreflight about the new Scout product. If you've heard about this, it's uh, it's a really small ADSB out receiver. That's uh, I mean it, it's inexpensive and it, it's it's very tiny. <laughs> it's like the size of a USB flash drive, so it's pretty pretty cool. I got to talk to Ken Reiser and Yaya Lugu Ruiz of the University of Dubuque flight program about, you know, they have a bachelor of science degree and some aviation fields in their flight training program. That was pretty neat. I got to talk to Russ Myers of L3. Uh, the L3 company makes 
the Lynx transponder, which is an ADSB in and out uh, transponder. And I was really interested to see this because, as you'll hear in the interview, I, I didn't believe it could be as as uh, useful or neat or whatever as 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 it turned out to be just from the ads in the in the magazines and such. And then I was able to talk to Anise, and I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, Pouillet, maybe? I'm sure it's French. Sorry, Anise. Um, from Air Journey. Uh, and they offer escorted uh, group tours or self-guided air journeys. I mean, all kinds of neat places. If you own your own airplane, you want to travel, you know, to South America or even around the world. So, uh, wow, that sounds just kind really of cool. Yeah, quite a variety of of interviews there. And you know, it's so neat when I get to do this because I literally just walk around and anything that I think is interesting, I go interview them. So, so hopefully, the listeners. I guess think some of these same things that I think are interesting. Well, I'm sure I'm sure the those that are listening are are really going to enjoy these. I'm actually excited to hear these now that you got my piqued my interest. So, tell you what, uh, Russ, why don't we hit the play button and listen to these, and uh, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. I really really can't wait to to hear some of those interviews. This is Rush Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast at EAA Air Venture 2017. I'm standing here in front of Michelle at the Level Aviation booth. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm good. How are you? I am great. You have a couple new products here, which are pretty interesting. I understand they're for the experimental market, primarily, right? But uh, it's all to do with ADSB. And I'm standing in front of something that looks a little bit like kind of a transponder antenna, little little wing shape. Tell us about this beacon product. Yeah, we're super excited about the Beacon because we feel like it's the, the solution for ADS-B out. Um, if you're experimental or LSA, this is everything that you need in a beautiful little package. It has your altimeter encoder inside, your ADS-B antenna, your WASP GPS source, and it's really super easy to install, as simple as a three screws and a plate. Um, I know you guys can't see me, but even I can do it, and I don't know very much about aircrafts at all. Um, the great news is we have a little um, interface that you can put on your dash and a GPS antenna to the top, and you are set. Um, so we're really excited about what it's going to bring uh, to the industry. So this bolts on underneath the airplane, some part of the bottom of it, and it has, like you said, two connectors. I assume one's for power and, and there's Ground, to the GPS and, antenna yeah. and that kind of thing. So pretty easy installation. Um, what are we looking at for installation time for, for a mechanic or something? Um, we were surveying a, a few mechanics and we're getting an average of about eight hours of installation time. So very easy to install, but the great news is too, if you're experimental, let's say you can install it yourself. Um, so you can even get rid of that cost if you'd like. That's true. So this is ADSB out yes. only, correct? Yes, just ADSB out. All right. So now it's not physically attached to the transponder in any way. So it it, would it sniffs the transponder signal or something? Yes, it's got a wireless sniffer, so it works with your transponder. It's going to read the signal that you're sending down to the tower and automatically change. With our interface, you can also make sure that it is sending out the right um, right code. And if for any crazy reason it's not, it's something that you could also manually change over there. So it is foolproof um, to make sure that the right information is getting out into the air. Okay, so ADSB out only. Of course, uh, a lot of us are flying with ADSB in already, anyway, on tablets and different different ways. Um, so, what are we looking for a uh, for a cost here? Um, so, it's going to retail at thirteen ninety five. But if you're here at the show, or if you're um, not at the show and you still want to order it, you can give us a call and it's eleven ninety five. Okay, eleven ninety five for the uh, level beacon, and uh, it's pretty compact, uh, easy to install ADSB yeah. out solution. Yeah. Now, you also have something else sitting here. 
um, with an interesting name, and it looks like what the name is. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that? It is the BOM, and it stands for Broadcasting Outer Module. Um, so not BOMB with a B. Um, and it is our, our latest creation. It, is, it looks like a bomb. It sits under the wing. It mounts to an inspection panel. We should, we should mention it's about, what, eight or nine inches long. It's not, not very large. Yes, yes. People think it's to scale with the airplane that we have, but it is small. It weighs about a pound. Very minimal drag, and it will give you angle of attack. It will give you all of your pitot information, AHARS, ADSB in, um, GPS. It also has a data recording feature, so you can replay back any of your flights on either uh, Google Earth, Cloud Ahoy, WingX, um, and it's all self-powered with wind power. Yeah, it has a little a little turbine on the back that uh, so the airflow just powers it up and has some kind of internal battery or something like that. Yeah, so it's charging an internal yeah, battery as long as the turbine is going. It has power, but it'll also last about two hours when the turbine is not going. Um, and it also um, turns on with the vibration of the plane, so you don't even have to worry about pressing any buttons, and it'll shut off when it's not in use after a certain amount of time for uh, power conservation. So it, it's powering itself, and it has a, some kind of Wi-Fi in it once you get to your, your uh, tablets and such in the cockpit, right? Yes, yeah, so with Wi-Fi, you can connect up to six tablets to it, and you can use almost any software out there that you like. We also offer a free uh, app. It's called the um, Ahars Utility. It's on the I, App Store, and you're welcome to use that as well. Great. So now this, I saw your little mock-up installation here, and you said this amounts to an inspection panel. Yeah. And it, it's self-powered, so, I mean, installation looks like... Uh, it's really. It's two screws. Again, uh, I wish you guys could see me, but I know very minimal, and I actually installed this on my husband's uh, RV9, um, and so it's really, really easy to install. It takes me maybe an hour um, if you're maybe like snacking while you're doing it or something. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's a great product, and it's also Nord Sea certification pending, so you'd be able to mount this on a certified plane. Okay, that's great because the the first one we talked about, the Beacon, is uh, experimental and LSA only, yes. at least uh, right now. Yes, that's right. <laughs> And, and this, the bomb here is uh, pending, you said, for uh, for North Sea yes. certification, so yes. it'll be on a certified aircraft, too. Yes. All right. Sounds great. What is the, the retail and uh, show price on this? Uh, retail price is $15.95. Show price is $13.95 if you order it this week. It is for pre-sale, and they'll be shipping out at the beginning of the year. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Anything else you want to tell us about Level Aviation and any other products you have today? Um, we've got our I-Level series, um, which are also great. Those are available now, very similar to the bomb just minus the angle of attack and the um, outside charge feature. Um, other great thing is we're, we're a family-run company, so we give a lot of heart to everything that we have, so we hope you enjoy it as much as uh, enjoy using it as much as we do enjoy making it. Well, give me a website that we can find you on. Super easy, www.levelevil.com. Levil.com sounds yeah. easy to me. Thank you very much, Michelle. This is Russ Roslesky for the Stock Mike Outcast. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast from EAA Air Venture 2017. And I am here in front of the Air Race Classic booth, an all-women's cross-country air race. And I'm talking to... This is Linda Evans. Well, great, Linda. It's nice to meet you. And tell us a little bit about the uh, Air Race Classic. Sure. Uh, the Air Race Classic is an all-women's cross-country air race. It was started in 1929. And uh, the very first air race uh, featured Amelia Earhart, although she only came in third during the race. Okay. Um, it actually runs every year a different course, usually about 2,400 miles. And uh, each airplane is given a handicap. So you actually race against your handicap to, to try and win the race. 
So I I see that you have a sign here that says it's June 19th to 22nd of 2018. So you've already done the 2017 race, right? Okay. And so next year's race starts in Sweetwater, Texas, and goes all the way up to Freiburg, Maine. Yes, that's right. Uh, we're, we're, we're really excited to be starting in Sweetwater next year because that's, as you know, the home of the wasp. And uh, so it's a way for us to help honor the, the wasp. And um, again, all, all the way up to Maine with nine stops along the way. I mean, it goes through Oklahoma, Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Michigan, New York, and then ends up in Maine. Yeah, it certainly sounds like a pretty interesting route to fly. What kind of, uh, how many competitors do you expect uh, this year or next year, I guess it would be? Uh, yep. Yeah, well, we uh, typically have between 50 and 55 teams that compete. Uh, each team consists of two people, a pilot and a co-pilot. And uh, sometimes you, they will also have a third teammate that typically rides in the back seat. Okay. So competitors are required to be women, correct? Correct. It's all women. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately for me. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, required to be 99 members. Uh, no, they're not. It's open to any women pilot as long as you have 100 hours PIC. That sounds like a, a lot of fun. What do they need to do in order to, to I guess, to sign up for this to start off with? Uh, well, you can go to our website. is a www.airraceclassic.org. Uh, registration actually starts in January. And the any team that registers by the end of January gets uh, in a drawing for the top 10 numbers. So each, each race team has a number. And um, it's kind of nice to be able to start at the front of the pack in one of the, with one of the top 10 numbers. So it's 2,400 miles. You said about that or so, right? Uh, three days, so you're obviously staying overnight in certain locations, right? Uh, yep, and actually it's four days, and uh, you, so you have four days to complete the race, uh, nine legs, and you never know where you're going to stay because weather gets in your way. You could get stuck at an airport where you didn't intend to stay. So uh, sometimes you have all 50 or 60, you know, 55 teams bunched up at one airport, uh, or you can have them all spread out over the course of the race. It's really up to you to decide how you want to race the race. Are there any kind of aircraft requirements for this? Uh, any limitations on what type of aircraft can participate? Uh, yep. So it has to be a normally aspirated airplane. Uh, it could be multi-engine or single engine, but no turbo uh, planes allowed. Experimental is okay? Uh, not, not yet. It's something okay. we've been looking at, but uh, we haven't quite approved them. All right. So... Almost any normally aspirated, uh, normally certified airplane, and uh, you said team of two, possibly a third one on board. This sounds like quite an adventure, really. Oh, it, it's fantastic. I actually raced in it six times, and uh, just the best experience of my life. It's really great. Not, not only the racing, you learn so much about your plane, yourself, how to, how to read weather, uh, but then you also build great relationships with the other women who are in the race, and it's really li- lifelong friendships that you build. I have no doubt about that. Give us that website one more time, please. www.airraceclassic.org. All right. Well, thank you very much, Linda. Uh, this is uh, Rush Rosleski for the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast from EAA AirVenture 2017. I'm sitting here with Tom Turner from the American Bonanza Society. How are you doing today, Tom? Fine, thanks. I appreciate being uh, allowed to talk with you today. You bet. And what's your function there at the ABS? I'm the executive director of the ABS Air Safety Foundation. So I'm responsible for all of the educational and technical content of the society. We have programs for pilot training, flight instructor accreditation and training, uh, mechanic training, and uh, overall ownership support of the aircraft. 
So the American Man Society obviously is involved in a lot of uh, owner club type activities. But what I think I'd like to focus on a lot here is is exactly what we just kind of mentioned the, the the training and the standardization role that you have. Can you tell us kind of about some of your programs there? Okay, well, uh, ABS, uh, uh, our first training program is called the Beechcraft Pilot Proficiency Program. This is the uh, training program for individual owners and pilots of Bonanzas, Barons, Debonairs, and Travelers. We've been doing this since 1983. Uh, we train several hundred pilots every year. And what we specialize in is type-specific transition and recurrent training. So you already know how to fly uh, an airplane. You already know how to fly on instruments. We're going to show you how to get maximum efficiency and safety out of flying your specific model of each airplane. That sounds great because I know there's... You know, a lot of pilots are upgrading from other other airplanes. Possibly this might be their first very high-performance type airplane. And there are things that you can do in a that you can get away with, I should say, in, in a more normal training airplane that in a higher-performance airplane you just can't get away with. Is that right? Well, that's right. We, uh, we, play, we pay particular attention to engine management and taking good uh, members. Owners are very concerned about what impact training might have on their engine. And so we have established, we have developed techniques that can present things like simulated engine failures or, or uh, uh, things like that in ways that protect the health of the engine. So uh, we're, we're really focused on creating a, a low-stress training and coaching environment for our members, uh, taking care of their airplanes while we take care of them. So I go out and I buy a Bonanza. Never flown a Bonanza before. I go onto your website and, and I... I guess sign up for the B Triple P. What what does that involve? Well, uh, the B Triple P uh, has an initial ground school course. We call it the uh, the Beechcraft uh, Systems, Procedures, and Techniques course, and we go system by system through the major components of the aircraft and uh, tell our members how it, how it works, how they operate it in normal, abnormal, and emergency environments, and then some specialized techniques and, and tips and tricks for flying the airplane uh, it, with respect to that particular system. Uh, we also include things like uh, by-the-numbers flying, so uh, workload-reducing techniques. This is an online course. It's free to members of the American Bonanza Society. You go to the ABS website, log in with your membership credentials, and then you can go directly to our online training system center and take that initial course. We also have a recurrent training course or a refresher course. We actually call it the Beechcraft Pilot Skills Enhancement Program, which builds upon the information and knowledge that you learned in the initial course and presents some other areas that we didn't maybe didn't have time to go through the first time. In either case, when you complete that course, you can find one of our nearly 100 accredited flight instructors around the country, uh, schedule your flight training with them, and go through our standardized syllabus. If it's the first time you've ever flown with a BPPP instructor, no matter what experience you have in the airplane or other airplanes beforehand, if it's the first time you've flown in this environment, we have a, a, a fairly long list of uh, techniques and procedures and, and uh, tasks that will go through in your training experience. It takes three and a half to four hours to get through the entire syllabus. Uh, for recurrent customers, we can tailor the program much more to the individual. But uh, the first time we fly with someone, we want to make sure that uh, they know what we know about these airplanes and that they don't have any bad habits they may have picked up along the way that we need to work on. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty comprehensive program. The way I like to think of it is if you were required to have a, uh, 
type rating for this airplane, if you were required to have a type rating for this airplane, this is the sort of training that you would have have to get in order to pass that type check. How is this kind of training viewed by the insurance companies? Does it help? Very much so. Almost all of the underwriters will grant up to about a 10% discount on premiums for completing the course. Now, that varies with what the insurance companies call the risk, and the risk is a combination of the airplane, the pilot, and the environment, the way they use that airplane. Uh, Since most of our owners are personal business use, the environment's pretty much the same, but uh, in some cases, if we have a very low experience pilot, the insurance companies won't give a discount for it, but they will require that they complete our, our program as an initial entry into the insurance world. So in some cases, the insurance companies recognize it as an essential item to have before they will insure you in the airplane at all. In most cases, they recognize it as something that reduces the pilot's risk of an accident to the extent that they're willing to give them a substantial discount. Now, you said there's a list of over 100 certified instructors, I guess was your term, right? So as an instructor, how would I get involved in something like this? Give me the short version. Okay, and that's nearly 100 accredited instructors. Uh, we took, well, you know, for, for four decades, we have been training individual pilots, individual members, and that's a very important part of what we do. But uh, no matter what training organization you are, you never reach everybody. And there are a lot of studies that show that almost all of the type clubs have about the same experience. Somewhere in the 5 to 10% of their members actually participate in the in that uh, type club's accredited program. So about four years ago, uh, we took on the additional mission of teaching and accrediting flight instructors. And the idea there is I can train you and your airplane and you know how to fly your airplane. But if I train you as a flight instructor, then every Bonanza or Baron pilot you ever fly with again has ex- been exposed to the information we provide. So we, we provide an accreditation program for experienced flight instructors that, so that they can become instructors in our program. And then we uh, provide a secondary program called the ABS Flight Instructor Academy, which is for someone who either just for whatever reason does not wish to become a BPPP accredited instructor or they do not yet have the experience. But we want to make sure that uh, they know what we know about teaching in these airplanes so that if somebody calls them up someday and says, hey, I just bought an F-33 Bonanza, can you check me out in it? They know something about flying that airplane and at least as importantly, they know if they have any questions, we're here to help them out with that. Well, I bet I could get the answers to a lot of those questions on the American Bonanza Society website. I'm sure you have all kinds of other resources there. Why don't you tell us about some of the resources you have on the website? Okay, well, it's uh, bonanza.org. Uh, we have quite a bit of training information. We have all of this in what's called the ABS Online Training Center, which includes the, uh, the initial course, the recurrent course, the Flight Instructor Academy program, and we also have some of our Maintenance Academy programs as well. We teach mechanics as well. We might come back to that if you want. Uh, In addition to that, of course, we have the standard membership information and events information and all, but we have a very highly technical website. Uh, We have a great deal of service information on on the uh, website. You can search uh, airworthiness directives, for instance, if you want. You can search uh, service bulletins from the manufacturers. We also have all of the pilot's operating handbooks and download 
downloadable PDF format. So uh, not only can you download the POH for the airplane that you fly and maybe put that on your iPad or whatever and have that as an electronic backup, uh, it's also a great resource for somebody who's thinking about buying one of these airplanes because uh, you can get some basic information about an airplane that you're thinking about. For instance, the weight and balance information. Go to the ABS website look at the weight and balance section of the pilot's operating handbook for that particular serial number of aircraft and do some problems before you ever really get too involved in buying the airplane to see if it really matches your needs. Very good. Thank you. Um, You mentioned one thing that I think we should go ahead and explore a little bit. You said you offer mechanic training as well. Well, one of the programs that ABS has had, by the way, this is the 50th anniversary of the founding of the American Bonanza Society, and we have our 50th anniversary convention in in Wichita in September. So we've been doing this a long time. One of the first programs that ABS uh, began uh, delivering in the uh, very early 1970s is something called our Service Clinic Inspection Program. We have highly qualified and experienced uh, mechanics. Of course, it's different people now than it was then, but uh, we hold what we call service clinics around the country eight or ten times a year. And in these service clinics, we'll have a host FBO. We will send one of our experienced mechanics there as an inspector, and members will fly their airplanes in. We give it a very thorough hour-and-a-half visual check, but we're looking at things that we know from our corporate knowledge Uh, uh, things that are historically likely to be problematic on these airplanes. So we provide a very detailed visual inspection. We do a full rig of the landing gear system, and Continental Motors comes and does a full bore scope and compression test of the engine all in this hour and a half time. It's It's a training opportunity for the owner of the aircraft Uh, because they follow along and they write down any squawks we find, and then they go back to their own mechanic with a list of things that need to be addressed maybe on the next annual or something like that. We've done that for nearly 50 years. Like the flight instructor situation, however, we've decided that we're seeing 250 airplanes a year in that program. There are approximately 10,500 to 12,000 of our airplanes. So maybe we need to be teaching mechanics what we've learned in almost 50 years of service clinic experience so that they know what to look for on every Bonanza or Baron that comes into their shop. So we founded about five years ago a program called the ABS Maintenance Academy, which is a weekend hands-on course. It's, it's free to members. Many of the mechanics, you have to be a, a certificated mechanic preferably with an IA, and you have to be employed full-time at a facility that does at least 20 Bonanza Baron annuals a year. So what we're doing is we're trying to train mechanics that are going to have the greatest positive impact on the state of maintenance in the fleet. We want to train somebody who's going to go out there and, and look at 20 or more airplanes a year with the knowledge that they've learned. So uh, this is free to ABS members also. A lot of the mechanics have had their shop, or sometimes some of our members will get together and sponsor. They'll pay the expenses, the travel expenses, for a mechanic to go to this program. It's uh, a two-and-a-half-day program. It's split about 50-50 between classroom information and hands-on instruction on the airplane. But ultimately... What we want somebody to go away from that course with is an appreciation of what we look for in our own service clinic. In a perfect world, we wouldn't have to go do service clinics because everybody, every mechanic out there would know what to look for. And that's what we're aiming for in the maintenance academy. Well, sounds like you have a lot of great information, great products and services there. I'll repeat the website again. It's bonanza.org. 
Is that correct? Pretty easy to remember if you have bonanzas. So, uh, Tom, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for uh, spending it with me. This is Russ Rosleski for Destruct Mike Avcast. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast from EAA Air Venture 2017 here at the ForeFlight booth talking with Stephen Newman, uh, Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I am fantastic. And you have a new product uh, called the Scout that you're displaying today. Can you tell me a little bit about this and why I should have one? Sure. Well, we're very excited about Scout. Um, just a little bit of background on why we uh, wanted to bring this to the market We've seen recent studies that show with the combination of an iPad and ADSB solution in the cockpit, there's been a marked reduction in incursions uh, due to weather and traffic. So our goal has been to try to get that into the hands of as many pilots as possible with a lower price point. Uh, we are very much in favor and support the Stratus. Um, the Stratus is a fantastic product, and that's a, sort of a higher-end product. So we wanted to bring something a little bit uh, lower price point to get it in the hands of more pilots. The Scout is a dual-band ADS-B-in receiver for weather and traffic on ForeFlight. And it is something that is uh, powered by an external uh, USB power source. It does not include internal GPS, so you need GPS either as an ex- external Bluetooth GPS or most people have GPS in their iPad. You can connect up to four devices uh, to Scout via Wi-Fi. And it will give you uh, the essential in, in-flight weather and traffic. I think one of the greatest things about this device that I see is it's so tiny. I mean, it's literally the size of a, like a USB flash drive. And, and that's it. It's got a little suction cup you stick on the window, a power cord going to a battery, and that's about it. That's right. It is very small. Um, it's very compact. It's very easy to put into any cockpit. Um, when folks come up and see it, they literally say, is that it? And, and really it is. That, that is it. It's that small. It's palm-sized. So uh, now I saw something that you can do uh, upgrades to firmware upgrades to it, too. So, you know, as, as issues come along or upgrades, that kind of thing, right? That's right. So all of the firmwares are directly through ForeFlight. Um, so you'll just get a little message in ForeFlight. You click a button. It takes about 10 seconds, and you're on your way. How is the, the receiver as far as range goes? Because it is a very small device and doesn't have an external antenna. How's that been generally working out for you? We've been finding it's been uh, quite good. Um, Stratus, it's not quite Stratus, but um, it, it, is, it is a very, uh, we believe, a reliable solution. Uh, flew up here to Oshkosh with it and it's getting traffic all the way up and weather uh, as well. So um, we believe it is a solution that is... Uh, perfect for pilots on a budget or, or with tight spaces and really uh, wants to have that safety uh, enhancement in the cockpit. So give me a price comparison between Scout and your Stratus options. Absolutely. So Scout is $199 and Stratus 1S is $449 and the Stratus 2S is $899. Well, certainly then the Scout, although it does have slightly lim- more limited functionality, is certainly a, a bargain compared to the other devices? Yeah, so the Scout is designed really to give you the essentials, uh, and that is in-flight weather and traffic. Uh, You're not getting an internal GPS. You're not getting an internal battery. uh, You're not getting AHARs. So if you're interested in synthetic vision and using that with a Scout uh, with ADS-B, then you'll need Stratus 2S. All right. Well, it sounds like a very neat product, and uh, it looks like, I mean, I've seen your line. You everybody's buying them here it seems like doing a good business it's doing quite well here we're we're uh, pleased with that and um 
if you can't get to Oshkosh, um, you can purchase Scout on Amazon. All right. Sounds good. Uh, of course, fourflight.com, I assume, has information on Scout. Yeah, fourflight.com. And you can also go to our website, uh, flywithscout.com. Okay, flywithscout.com. Great. Well, thank you, Stephen. I appreciate your time. This is Russell Zleski for the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is Russell Zleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast at EAA AirVenture 2017. And I'm standing in the Education and Career Center here talking with Ken Reiser, an aviation professor at the University of Dubuque and their aviation program. How are you doing today, Ken? I am doing great. We've got lots of potential students coming by, and everyone's in a good mood because everyone's happy at Oshkosh. You know, Oshkosh is one of those interesting places where we just kind of ran into each other standing in line at a, an event last night and just started talking, and I thought, well, this would be interesting. So let's hear some about your uh, about the aviation program at Dubuque. Sure. Well, at the University of Dubuque, we've got a uh, an aviation program that's got about 250 students in it. Um, we've got Cessna 172s, Piper Arrows, and uh, Piper Seminoles. Also have a helicopter. And uh, we take students all the way from their private through to their CFI. And they get their multi-engine, their instrument on the way. And they graduate with a Bachelor of Science in Aviation Operations. And uh, the way the pilot shortage has been recently, our graduates have virtually a 100% placement. Uh, we, we can't produce them fast enough for the airlines, uh, for corporate flying, or for you know other general aviation needs. So as a new uh, freshman, I guess, starting off, what's the kind of the, the progress, look, the path through this aviation program? Sure. Well, one of the cool things about the University of Dubuque is we actually start our students flying on day one. So if you came in as a freshman, you would uh, be assigned your instructor. You'd start flying your very first week of school. And then one of your first classes in that fall semester would be your uh, private pilot ground school. And what you could expect is by about spring break or no later than the end of the first year, you'd have your private. And then depending on whether or not you continue to fly in the summer or waited to the fall, you'd start right in on your uh, commercial and your instrument. Okay, so you're getting college credit for all those ground school classes and such that, that a lot of us took to get any credit for, other than the rating, of course. You're getting college credit for that, so those count towards your, your degree. That's, it. That's absolutely right. We also have a uh, Bachelor of Science in Aviation Management for those who don't want to fly, and uh, that's an important program to seed some of the uh, airlines and other aviation-related corporations with uh, management executives. Sounds like a really neat program. I also have here Yaya Lugo, and Yaya, you are an admission counselor for this program. So why don't you tell me if I am an aspiring uh, you know, high school junior or senior and I want to go to University of Dubuque, what's the process for getting in the aviation program? Yeah, the process is actually very simple. Um, all you'll have to do is uh, fill out the application online, and from there we start like a little packet for every single student. We do need their high school transcript. If they have been taking any college credits, we'll need a copy of that as well. And um, from that, we look at your application. Will you look at your test scores as well, SAT or ACT? And we look at your high school transcript. And from there, we make the evaluation all of that, and we make the decision. And it's it's not hard to get into the university, even though it's a very competitive field, but we like to give everybody the opportunity because we understand that not all students are very are great in the classroom, but they are very, very focused and 
just want to do what they want to do. If they want to fly, sometimes they do get bored a little bit in high school. It tends to happen. So we look at their whole application. We look at what they've been involved in, what they want to do in their lives, and we try our best and we do our best to help them fulfill their dreams. Sounds like a good good program to get into, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, Ken, once we get into the program now, how often are these students flying? Because obviously, they have a lot of other you know, coursework and and core classes and that kind of thing. So, how often can I expect to fly entering this program? Yeah, they they can fly as much as they want to fly, uh, as much as their schedule will allow. But what we schedule them for is they're either on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule or a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So. Uh, during the school year, they're flying three three days a week. And then in the summer, um, a lot of them will fly virtually every day to try to get ahead. Uh, we have a number of students who graduate early and uh, in like three, three and a half years, particularly if they come in with their privates, so they can get their degree done in, in very little time, get their CFI, and then they have the opportunity. We actually hire a lot of our own CFIs so they can build up their hours to get a thousand hours because we've got an agreement with the FAA for a restricted ATP. So if our, uh, if our guys have a thousand hours, they can get hired by the airlines, whereas anybody else needs to have 1500. So you actually brought up a good question there. So if you said, if I come in to the program already with a private pilot certificate, that helps. That kind of gets me a little bit ahead. Do you have many people come in with privates or even uh, more advanced deg- uh, ratings than that? We have a fair number who come in with privates, usually not more than that. But if you come in with a private, you get six credits for the ground school and three credits for the flight training. And then you can jump right into the, uh, you know, the more advanced flight training for the commercial and the instrument. That sounds great. Well, I appreciate your time, Ken and Yaya. Yaya, give me a website that I can go to for more information. Yeah, for sure. It'll be www.dbq.edu, and that is our University of Dubuque website, and you'll go right to academics and undergrads, and you'll find all the information you want about our aviation program. And Ken, you had one more thing you wanted to say. University of Dubuque is one of the most veteran-friendly universities in the country, and so if a veteran comes and has the uh, post-9-11 GI Bill with the yellow ribbon program that the University of Dubuque offers, not only is their college free for four years, but all of their flight training is free as well. So I really want to get the word out to veterans that if they want to fly, University of Dubuque will give them basically a full ride with their GI Bill. Well, we, I and we appreciate that, certainly. I'm a veteran, and I definitely know that you are based on our uh, conversation last night. So thank you very much for getting that word in there. And uh, thank you very much for your time today. This is Russell's Leslie for the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Avcast from EAA AirVenture 2017. Here in the L3 Technologies booth, um, here with Russ Myers talking about the Lynx Transponder. How are you doing today, Russ? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Russ? This is an easy name to remember. I love it. So, uh, yeah, we're here looking at this Lynx Transponder, and it is a complete ADSB solution, right? Correct. It's a complete ADSB solution in and out, dual band in, 1090 extended squitter output for the output compliance, in addition to being a 1090 extended squitter transponder. Right, but it's more than just the transponder itself. It actually has its own display screen, too. And I know that, like many people probably, I'd seen these in the advertisements in the magazines and looked at it and thought, you know, that's a pretty standard-sized transponder. How can it possibly have a good display on it? Am am I even going to be able to see that? 
Well, looking at the live version here, I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the resolution. Oh, I agree. The first time I saw a rendering of this, I thought, man, that's kind of small. First time I used it, it's like, no, that's very usable. Um, it's a high-res screen. It's really good in, in alt-lighting uh, conditions. Uh, it's got great off-angle viewing. Um, the, the standard screens that come with it, of course, is the transponder control screen. Um, then we have the traffic, the ADSB traffic screen. After that, we have the FISB weather screen with all the FISB weather, most of the FISB weather products. Remaining products would be like Winds Aloft, which is its own page, as well as textual METARs and TAFs. Yeah, so it looks like you you showed me just a minute ago about how you can bring up METARs and TAFs for airports, and you can bring up all the information on uh, SIGMETs and, and that kind of stuff. So it's really got pretty much all the information here in just a, a pretty small package. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the cool things about the, uh, the NGT 9000 is we have a lot of interfacing capabilities where you, know, you can interface to a variety of multifunction displays. Uh, it comes standard with a Wi-Fi uh, adapter. So you can connect to your iPad and display on a variety of apps. That, that gives you some more flexibility in uh, uh, what you're looking at, how you look at it, um, the, the size that you, you're looking at, um, while, while maintaining a, a, a solid uh, in-the-panel display. Now, you had mentioned to me earlier that uh, if you have a storm scope, for example, it can be uh, interfaced into it. Yeah, one of the features, um, this is a fairly new feature, we have the ability to interface to the WX500 storm scope for display and control. Um, other features that are um, uh, up, upgrades, if you will, uh, we could do terrain, two different kinds of terrain. We can do actually Class B TAWs if you want with all the alerting functions, or we can have a, a, a dumb, what we call a dumbed-down version uh, with terrain just color-coded relative to your altitude, actually terrain and obstacles. Um other pages uh, are, are in the offing. Um, it's the system's pretty nice in that uh, it's all the software and upgrades are all field loadable. You don't have to pull the box out. Um, your your dealer can do it with a, a simple maintenance program, and uh, it's got a lot of. It's a feature rich uh, device. You get a lot of bang for your buck. And it is all touchscreen. There are no buttons that I'm looking at on this device at all, other than integrated into the touchscreen. So it's it's fairly intuitive to use. I, I was able to enter transponder code without any instructions, so I guess that's pretty good. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, um, it really it sounds kind of funny, but uh, it, it makes flying fun. It really does. Uh, it makes me want to do more cross countries. Uh, makes you want to get out and another excuse to get out and go flying. <laughs> Absolutely right, and 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 all the uh, the weather information, all that we're becoming used to, you know, is is fantastic. Having it all integrated into one unit. And then being able to, like you said, bring it up on your iPad or at all is, is a pretty neat, pretty neat option. Um, anything else you want to tell us about this uh, Lynx product? Well, we just came out with a, a new load of software. Uh, it's 3.1 software, which is actually um, in, includes a TKS1 functionality. Um, with the with the, the standard box, you have the option of, of upgrading to what we call the, the 9000 plus box which adds active traffic but this is another step beyond that for for those operators out there that require TKS1 we actually qualify for TKS1 now wow that's a fantastic upgrade itself isn't it well thank you very much russ i appreciate your time uh this is russ rosleski reporting for the stuck mike avcast
This is Russ Rosleski for the Stuck Mike Avcast, reporting from EAA Air Venture 2017, standing here with a company called Air Journey, and I'm talking to Anise. Anise, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Great. What is Air Journey? I see it says Escorted Self-Flying Journeys. Right. So we have two concepts. We have our group-guided trips. People come with their airplanes, um, and we essentially handhold as they go internationally. Our group-guided trips are led by a journey director. We go um, to everywhere from the Bahamas, Caribbean, Central America, South America, Europe, um, and then our biggest is around the world. And we take care of all the flight planning, authorizations, permits, EAPIS filing, uh, fuel releases, sort of anything associated with the flight. And it includes the hotels, excursions, meals, and transfers. And then our other concept is uh, for people who essentially just want to go out with their plane and uh, not deal with groups or uh, different dates in mind. And we do all their flight planning, authorizations, permits, all of that for them uh, in that case. And they have access to us 24-7 uh, in case they uh, need anything. Well, you kind of you mentioned that your two basic ideas here, two basic concepts. And the first one, you, you, you talked really fast and glossed over something really, really neat, which I thought was really cool. Because you do trips anywhere from you know the Bahamas and Caribbean, which is a pretty normal trip, I think. And then you said something about around the world, and I think you actually meant around the world, right? Right, exactly. So that's our biggest trip. Um, it's 70 days around the world um, with your aircraft. And uh, we spend two to three nights in 29 different countries, uh, 36 destinations in total. Um, it's a trip of a lifetime. And we've done, uh, we did our first one in 2008. We've done them um, every other year since then. So we are launching uh, this August on our uh, seventh around the world. Wow. Now, as far as the more local things, so let's talk about the Caribbean, even South America going down there. Um, what's involved in those trips? Uh, so with that, um, we, uh, similar to, I mean, really any of our trips, uh, we take care of the hotels, excursions, meals. Uh, we fly predominantly VFR conditions. Um, some of our destinations we require IFR rating. Uh, depends on the trip, of course. Um, but for the Caribbean and Bahamas, if the weather's not good, no sense in going. Um, and what we do is we just island hop. We uh, experience, you know, uh, the local area, we see the beautiful scenery, get ourselves a nice tan, uh, and just relax and really enjoy the destinations, also uh, enjoying the flying while we're uh, going around. Any kind of aircraft requirements? I mean, you mentioned VFR uh, on most of your destinations, at least the ones, you know, Caribbean and such. Uh, requirements on airplanes, do I have to have any certain level of airplane? Um, so for Bahamas and Caribbean, really anything goes. Um, we follow the island chains down. Uh, it is group travel, but individualized. So uh, even though um, our group trips will have different types of aircraft on the trip uh, and it's group travel, we cater everything to you and your aircraft. Um, so for really Bahamas, Caribbean, anything goes. Around the world, we do then have limitations. Uh, you know, we require jet fuel burning aircraft, so turboprops, predominantly because of fuel availability along our route. Yeah, no doubt. Avgas is pretty hard to come by in some countries, I understand. Yeah. So now, so that was the, kind of the first thing, first concept. And then, then you mentioned another thing where if I just want to go travel on my own somewhere, you, you obviously won't provide a guide for that, but uh, you'll set everything up. Correct. So I think one of the main things is everyone has a capable aircraft, but it's the fear of not knowing what's out there that keeps people from taking their planes internationally. And so our concierge or flight planning services uh, really aids in, in showing pilots that they can take their plane internationally. And so what we do is we do all of the logistics, uh, authorizations, permits, everything like that, um, and really handhold as they're traveling internationally with their airplane. Prior to every flight, uh, we send out a, a pilot briefing where it goes over the logistics of the following day's flight. Um, and then we really go over it together over the phone, make sure everyone's comfortable, uh, answer any questions. And they're really provided all the, all the details they would need to know. Who's going to be greeting them, where they, they're flying to, departure procedures, arrival procedures. Um, just essentially the logistics of the flight. And with that, then they're able to just choose their itinerary, plan the trip that they want, 
uh, during the time that they want, and it just gives them that ability to do so. Sounds like a really convenient service for someone who, like you said, who really wants to go out and do these kind of things, but had no idea what to expect. I don't know what to expect. I've never flown into some of these countries. So, you know, it sounds like you really have a great, great convenient package for that kind of thing. Uh, Where can I go to get more information? A website? Right. A website, www.airjourney.com. Um, and that's where all of our uh, guided group trips are listed, as well as information about what our uh, flight planning or concierge service entails. Well, Anise, thank you very much. It's a very uh, interesting uh, service you provide here. This is Russ Rosleski for the Stuck Mike Avcast. Wow, Russ, that was pretty cool. Some really interesting interviews there. I learned actually quite a bit throughout that whole interview process. I know the Air Race Classic, we've had somebody, Lynn Kaywood, we had on before, but uh, uh, one of the things that I really gleaned from these interviews, other than the excitement of the show, obviously, was was some of these new technologies. And the, the American Bonanza Society, I had no idea how large of a, a outreach they had, especially in safety and with maintenance too. I thought that was really cool. I, and uh, it just blew me away. It's, it's a ginormous organization from what I could tell. Yeah. Uh, I've done some training in, in bonanzas and I've used some of their materials before and getting to talk to, well, Tom who wrote some of those materials was, was pretty interesting. So I'm glad I got the chat. Yeah, the and what's really cool, you said in the beginning about this four flight scout. As you were, as I was listening to the uh, interview you did, I actually looked it up. That thing is super small. Uh, that four flight scout is like super duper small. It's, uh, gosh, I mean, you look at it, you're like, really? That's it? And uh, it's it's got a a little suction cup on it. You stick it to your window, and and that there you go. Yeah, that's about it. And one of the things that you had uh, talked about as far as in the beginning is ADSB, and that's something that uh, I think is knocking on all our doors here, isn't it? That's coming up pretty shortly. Yeah, 2020 is only three years away, but I think it's it's January 1st of 2020, isn't it? So, So that's only a little over two years. It is. Yeah. It is. And, uh, you know, it's something that I, I'm really thinking about and, uh, and telling people, hey, you need to do it now. You need to have started yesterday, actually, because th- three years seems like a long time. It's not. It, it comes pretty quick. It's less than three years, actually, now. But uh, it really is going to be right out around the corner for us. Uh, but, hey, you know, Russ, one of the really cool things about these interviews, I could tell just from, from you listening uh, to these interviews that you were pretty darn excited to be there. And it was so cool uh, to see the next generation of aviators. You talked to the University of Dubuque and about their programs in aviation and discussing the, the pilot shortage, et cetera. And, uh, and then the, the next journey of adventures with Air Journey. I, and, and by the way, that whole thing, again, I was looking at it on the Internet, uh, that Air Journey goes around the world. There's an around-the-world trip, and she, she mentioned that. That was yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, you can tell when I did that interview that she she kind of skipped over the fact that they had an around the world trip. And I said, wait a minute, let's come back yeah. to that <laughs> around the world. I mean, it, that's something you, you I mean, that, not too long ago, that was hu- a huge record setting type deal. And now it's uh, every other year, you know, kind of escorted, guided trip. That's amazing. And, and the other thing too that she mentioned, I you know, I, I sometimes forget this is about the you know having uh, turbine aircraft, you know, because getting avgas is pretty tough in some of those places. It is, and and that was uh, definitely a limitation that they they uh, 
researched and such, I'm sure. But uh, but there were a lot of trips, you know, especially in, here in the Western Hemisphere, that were open to pretty much any airplane. I mean, you know, I looked at some of their brochures, and some of these could be done in pretty, you know, basic airplanes. You know, the legs, some of the legs weren't real long over water and such. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I I really one of the things that I glean from it is that hey, maybe I can do this. Also, the short journeys. I really encourage people to look at those short journeys. Maybe you're yeah a little nervous about going to the Bahamas, and uh, maybe it's this time to go grab somebody and to help you out a little bit and uh, kind of handhold and and do a guided tour there. That's kind of cool too. The, the, these were some really neat interviews, and I liked it because you mixed it with like the technologies of L three and four flight and level, and, and then we talked about some of the the adventures and the Air Race Classic and also Air Journey. And, and the American Bonanza Society was also a journey. That, that's, that's exciting because you have other people that you can go out and, and enjoy that with. And then, of course, the University of Dubuque being the next generation of aviators. That's, that's really, really awesome. Uh, but, Russ, you know, this was I, – I can't tell you how much we appreciate your doing these interviews. One of the things that we see saw you at Sun we had to kind of rein you in, but uh, this was done <laughs> – this was done basically – you did this in a very short – short amount of time and honestly you probably could have gotten maybe 50 more interviews couldn't you oh I, well i could have it's just a matter of how much you know how much time and how much light there is in a day right <laughs> we would have made this a five hour episode instead of a 45 minute episode yeah we'd have to split it up and we make our episodes for the rest of the year out of it right yes we we would but guys you know i for for the folks listening if you haven't been to air venture try to make it out there if you didn't make it there this is our way of bringing it to you it's our way of well, actually, it's our way of bringing it to me because I didn't get to go. But yeah. I, I, but the neat thing is, though, Russ, is that you do get to live these things through other people's eyes and ears. And there's so much social media out there and, uh, you know, YouTube and on the Internet and also, you know, iTunes, et cetera, and just podcasts and everything. And I think it's really changed uh, aviation. And that's something that, that we've been doing. And obviously, we're up to episode 150 with this Air Venture 2017. Can you believe 150 episodes? already i know and, that's incredible and it's been so much fun uh putting these together and hopefully the next 150 we'll do we'll uh hey maybe we'll turn it into a weekly we keep talking about that but not right now <laughs> not right now we, we we got a couple maybe now that i have my new my new office and everything we can but we'll see uh but uh, you know one of the things i want to say though as the 150th episode i want to say i appreciate everybody that listens also i appreciate all the hosts co-hosts we've had and all the people who have done interviews for us and have written into us Thanks so much. Uh, you know, go to you know stuckmakeavcast.com. Keep bringing those questions in because we love to answer them. We love feedback. And if you're somebody that wants to actually be on and talk about what you're doing in aviation, if you have an exciting story, or if you want to talk about some technology that you've come up with or something that you can explain real well, go ahead and send us an email. Maybe we'll we'll have you on sometime. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, well, Russ, again, thanks for doing all this and and being out there and and you know just spreading the word about aviation and also your passion for aviation really comes out in in these interviews. And and, and I'm sure you might be back again next year, won't you? I'm pretty sure I'll be back there again next year. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't miss it, Carl. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks, Russ. And uh, guys, you know, from from myself and everybody else here at the Stuck Mike Avcast, we, you know, for you listening, we really appreciate, you know, what you do for us. Because if it wasn't for you, then we wouldn't have this podcast to keep us going and keep putting forth that passion of aviation and and keep teaching people about flying and, and talking about the, the life of flying. 
and, and the fact that we just truly, truly love flying here at Stuck My Cavcast. Well, folks, we appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.